If you pay attention to the weather, we're supposed to be going into one of the coldest times of the year, if not one of the coldest times in recorded history. When it's that cold, smartest thing I know to do, bundle up inside, get warm, find that interdimensional space where the spinner rack always spins with the newest, best options available for you in the world of comic book reading. And then you make your picks and settle in until the cold has passed by. You're listening to the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 33. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. And when it's chilly outside, my favorite thing to do is to take the time to record a little message about my top five books from DC Comics each and every week. This week, we'll be starting things off with Far Sector number one, a great new title with a story from N.K. Jemison, art and color by Jamal Campbell, with lettering by Darren Bennett, a cover that's quite stunning by Jamal Campbell, as well as variant covers by Sean Martinborough, Jamie McElvey. And when it comes to Far Sector... This is a really fun take on a classic idea. The thing I like about Far Sector is it reminds me of the Green Lantern Quarterly that used to come out back in the 90s and featured tales not only about legendary Green Lantern characters like Hal Jordan, Jon Stewart, and so many others, uh, Guy Gardner or Kyle Rayner, but it also made a point of showcasing the fact that there were so many sectors that need to be patrolled, made up of so many numerous planets, each one with their own unique Green Lantern stories. So Far Sector does this great thing for me where it steps into that outer realm, that place beyond Sector 2814, which is where Earth resides, and goes to the farthest reaches of known space. According to this comic, the main character resides in what's known to be the farthest or furthest sector. And what she finds and what brings her is a mystery, a murder mystery no less. One that occurs in a place where murders no longer occur, where three races who were once sharing two planets put an end to an endless war by removing the idea of anger from the equation, and in doing so, creating a fragile yet stable peace in which violent crimes like this simply no longer occur, and yet one has. There's a new Green Lantern, and she has her own story, one that has to do with a challenge and a diminishing deadline. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about this book is how it sets up so many of those great elements that make a story keep you turning the page. And the way that this works so well in this story is that the information that's provided lets you know that not only the main character, but also the scenario in which you've just entered the beginning of this story had its own beginning some time ago, that the clock is ticking, time is running out, and soon... And very soon, things will happen, whether the main character actually plays a role in bringing about 
a resolution or some finality to the course of action. But even if not, things will be happening simply because that is how the ticking clock works and that is how the approaching deadlines are measured. There's a great deal of tension and pressure, expectation on this new Green Lantern to solve a crime that shakes the very foundation of existence for the peoples who have called her in to investigate. I really liked the great world building and the conceptualization of new ideas, new approaches, and the way that they're displayed with really deft touches, details that are smoothly worked in, and with it, a great style. The Far Sector Green Lantern is her own character. I love the design of the suit, the mask, makes for not only a great cover, but great action, as well as quiet moments. And I feel that the style that seems to emanate from her blends well with the styles of the world that she is entering into, and thankfully, as our guide, narrating and describing for us. Through that, we're introduced to a great mystery in a compelling setting with a really great mix of characters. It's a winning combination, and why I'm happy to give Far Sector number one a solid five out of five to start off this week on Spinner Rack number 33. Let's go ahead and see just how well my second choice fares. Now, when it comes to that second choice, I'm going to be honest with you. It almost felt like the Hawkman number 18 issue leapt into my hands and demanded that I include it, if not make it at least my second choice to discuss. And that was something that made me smile. The reintroduction, the return to a classic character, Sky Tyrant from Earth 3. And in this story, one titled Sky Tyrant, or I'm sorry, one titled Tyrant Reborn, Duel, is written by Robert Venditti, with Pat Ola providing the pencils, Tom Palmer the inks, Jeremiah Skipper the colors, and letters by Starkings and Comicraft. Tyler Herkham provides the acetate cover with Richard Pace providing the variant cover. Kind of hard to make a choice on either of those two. They're both gorgeous. They're both displaying a very violent, menacing version of Hawkman, which is what Sky Tyrant has always been. And they're a great introduction to a story that opens with the demise of Sky Tyrant and his promise that he will return again. It's a classic villain trope, but in this instance, it comes true. Carter Hall has returned from the Shadowlands victorious, but something that had been affecting him on his way there, and now since his return, becomes even more prominent as a factor in his present-day life. Up until now, Carter has been traveling through time and space, reliving the many, many lives that he has experienced 
and that were part of a promise to make up for his earliest origin, one that left him with a violent debt, and one that he promised to pay off no matter how many lifetimes it took. Along the way, this discovery has also caused changes in his appearance and his mannerisms, and in the last few issues he's become very violent. The reasoning appears to be that Sky Tyrant, who was one of his personalities and knows about all of his past lives, has been fighting for the chance to take control. And during the exchange in the Shadowlands and since his return, Sky Tyrant recognized a weakness, seized his opportunity, and has now assumed leadership in Carter Hall's body and identity. And Carter is something of a, a memory, uh, a shadow, if you will, who can follow along and antagonize Sky Tyrant and to an extent appear to physically bar or at least hinder him. The Sky Tyrant has a plan and a goal. As he remembers it, when he flew through his earth, people were always fearful of the skies and the violence he would bring. He doesn't see that same look in their eyes, and it's something he wants to bring back. However, after a clash between Carter and the Sky Tyrant, we get the appearance of a classic character, one who not only has the internal strength to take on the Sky Tyrant and the physical prowess to match, but who has also always been uh, a lightning rod for Carter Hall, similar to the way Barry Allen and Iris or Wally West and Linda Park would refer to the person who means the most to them as their lightning rod, as their source, their way to always know their bearings or bring them back home, no matter how far they might have wandered, no matter how lost they might be. And this appearance gives renewed hope that Carter can find the internal strength to overcome the Sky Tyrant and reassume control of not only his body, but his destiny and his never-ending mission to atone for all of the sins of his first life. If you haven't been following Hawkman number 18, if you haven't been following Hawkman at all, I would say number 18 might be a great opportunity to either read up to or jump in just for the fun of a story of Carter fighting with the Sky Tyrant for control of his body. But if it doesn't create a hunger in you to read all the issues preceding it, that's okay. That is something that usually starts a bit small and then can grow bigger with time. I know I found after jumping on somewhere around issue number eight or nine, I quickly realized there was more to Carter Hall than I had actually known. And what I was able to learn has made me really enjoy following this character ever since. I was really happy to see the return of a great character like Sky Tyrant and the unique way that it was accomplished. Why I was happy to give this book a solid 4 out of 5 
you think that the scores should be different, stick around to the end for all the ways you can let me know your score, your thoughts, your opinions, and anything else you want to share with me. But in the meantime, with my second book out of the way, we're going to take a quick ad break, get you caught up on all the great news and information coming out of DC Comics and DC Comics News, and then check back in for my third, fourth, and fifth choices. Thanks for your patience. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. (laughs) No, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the Knight. And we're back after that quick ad break. Thanks for coming on back so we can go ahead and knock out my third, fourth, and fifth choices for this edition, DC Comics News, Spinner Rack, episode number 33. For my third choice, I decided to go with a really interesting selection. Something coming out from the Joe Hill line of stories. And this one is called The Dollhouse Family, issue number one. A story written by M.R. Carey, with layouts by Peter Gross, finishes by Vince Locke, colors by Chris Peter, letters by Todd Klein, a cover by Jessica Dalva, one that is still sticking with me, and the variant cover by Jay Anacleto and Ivan Nunes. I really enjoyed this new offering from the Joe Hill Comics line. I've never been the biggest fan of horror comics or suspense, thrill type approaches. It wasn't even a type of movie that I was interested in, at least not early. But there is something for a well-crafted suspense tale. The way it can sort of get under your skin. In this story, the suspense is maintained through a mystery that appears to have begun a very long time ago, and yet also one that feels like it's very close to the present. A mystery that has to do with a family who might seem like many other families. A family that is 
struggling, like so many do, but also has a way of finding these small, bright moments. One of which is the arrival of a very detailed dollhouse as a gift for the young girl living in the house from a distant relative. And it becomes a place of solace for her while her parents struggle because her father struggles with work, maybe drinking, definitely with keeping his hands off of mom. The retreats to the dollhouse go from a simple innocence to the discovery that the characters inside can talk and can actually invite others into their world. This discovery also leads to other mysteries that exist within the dollhouse. One that provides the potential promise to make things better and to help our young heroine deal with the adult problems going on between her mother and father. There's also a few overlapping stories. One from the past about some land surveyors who discover something they never really expected. And another about what it is that gives the house the ability to explain what it is that gives the house this amazing power and ability. And then also what it is that brought the house to this family and how it connects to this longer running story. One about a discovery that may or may not be the evil beginnings of something more sinister occurring within the dollhouse and the family that resides there. An interesting note, they're not blood relatives, but their decision to live together is based on a series of choices that has bound them as close as blood, if not closer. And the reasons behind it and the discoveries that I'm sure are awaiting in the following issues have been well prepared in this first book and provide not only great introduction, but more than a few compelling reasons to continue reading this book and, in my opinion, to look forward to featuring it soon on upcoming episodes of the DC Comics New Spinner Rack. For a first issue in a genre that I'm not as familiar with reading, but definitely enjoy when it's done so well, I thought The Dollhouse Family was a solid 5 out of 5. A great introduction to this new world, and one that I'm curious to hear if you agree with me, or if not, just what your take is. Now for my fourth choice, I decided to go with Event Leviathan, number six. A mystery that has done its best to sustain as many twists and turns and false leads as could be done within six issues. In a story by Brian Michael Bendis, with art and cover art by... Alex Malib, letters by Josh Reed, and a variant cover by Brian Hitch and Alex Sinclair. After it was suggested at the end of book number five, it's now clarified in this book that the person behind Event Leviathan, 
the leader of Leviathan, is actually a former Manhunter. Now, who are the Manhunters? Well, in an interesting take, the book gives you a brief backstory. And to paraphrase its description, essentially the Manhunters were the predecessors of the Greenlanders, those who provided order in a chaotic universe, and who in doing so gained many faithful followers and a hard-won reputation. Following their successors, the Green Lanterns, filling their roles, the question of what happened to them is something that's been followed in a few storylines. There was a Manhunter comic before, and the character who wore that Manhunter uniform is the same involved with this storyline. Now I'm going to go ahead and leave that little detail as something you get to discover for yourself. Because those details are something that, well, I feel like they fall a bit more into that spoiler category. And while keeping that in mind, what's important is more about the ideology of the Manhunter, at least at this point and for this book that I'm talking about, and for what I'm trying to talk about, which is the quality of the book overall, not just how many spoilers I can throw out there before you get a chance to read it yourself. This mystery, like all great mysteries, doesn't come to a conclusive finality, doesn't come to a, an ending where everything is explained. In fact, more importantly, it only provides this glimpse at understanding who was involved and why they might have done it. But that's only the beginning, because as it's portrayed throughout the book, especially near its end, just because it appears as though things might have come to one kind of an end, that doesn't mean that they're not actually setting up for a next beginning. I feel like Event Leviathan, while it was the six-issue mini, is not done telling its story. And clearly, as it suggests by the end of the book, that theory has some weight to it. I'll let you get to the end of the book so you can have that discovery for yourself as well. But looking forward to... What is coming next, I do believe Leviathan has introduced enough mysteries to keep us curious about just how far they go and what the purpose is behind so many of their involvement with our most well-known comic book characters. In this light, I was happy to give Event Leviathan a solid 4 out of 5. I felt it provided so many of the things that I was looking for without, as they say, giving away the farm. The challenge in a mystery is how long you can sustain it, and when it's all said and done, how much of it you can bring to a resolution or to that place of closure. Almost everyone feels like there is something left out that they wish they knew more. And while that feeling exists within this story, I also feel that if the goal was to provide just enough answers 
to keep us interested, then that goal was achieved. And clearly, there was a larger intention behind it. What's next in the event Leviathan and Leviathan storylines? Well, check back here to see if more about them end up on the DC Comics new spinner rack. Now for my fifth and final choice, I went with Tales from the Dark Multiverse, Blackest Night. I really enjoyed these takes on classic stories, stories that have the ability to twist what we think we know and show just what might have happened if certain details had gone a different way, if the influence of good versus evil shifted and suddenly evil had more than a fighting chance, if not the upper hand. This was a great story by Tim Seeley, with pencils by Kyle Hotz, inks by Dexter Vines, Walden Wong, and Danny Meeky, colors by David Barron and Alan Pasalacqua, with letters by Tom Napolitano, and a really great cover featuring a Sinestro as a White Lantern, drawn by Lee Weeks and Brad Anderson. That little snoring sound you might have heard in the background, my always famous, always fun-loving French Bulldog Bruno snoring away. He knows I'm almost done and it's time for Snuggle Time and more comics here away from the cold and inside where it's warm. When it comes to Blackest Night, it, like the Death of the Superman story, when told through the Tales from the Dark Multiverse lens, shows just how often comics have taken the high road when the characters that they're talking about might actually feel more comfortable taking the low road. Because of this challenge, they offer up some of the hardest and darkest parts of who we and others are and what it means when we're no longer acting for the good of all mankind but when selfish desires take on a a larger role and become in many ways a sort of a parlance This was an interesting story for me that pairs together Sinestro, Lobo, and Dove of Hawk and Dove, and also does a wonderful job of providing really interesting twists on just what might have been. And there's a a solace and a sadness, and there is so much that's suggested within this story that by the story's end I had to smile just a little bit and remind myself why it is that I enjoy these darker takes on classic stories. Through them we have the opportunity to view not only events as they could have transpired but also the chance to get a window into the components that make up the dark multiverse and how and why they are such a, I love the word pernicious, threat to the multiverse where our characters live, thrive, and 
aware, growing aware of the threat that the multi, the dark multiverse places on their very existence. I thought it was a great story overall, one that showed many possibilities and also a great range of characters in positions you wouldn't normally find them. Through that, we get a chance to see just a little bit more about who they might be, who they are still capable of being, and as always, the road less traveled. This was a great take that did everything I expected and more than a few things that I didn't and why I'm really pleased to give it a solid four out of five and make it my fifth and final choice of this episode of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 33. Now that we've come to the end, a few quick reminders for you. The first being that DC Comics News is now on all the major podcast platforms. That's a comforting thought for my little buddy, Bruno, who's snoring away at my feet. Because it means that he can go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play. And when he does listen to this episode, just like all the episodes that preceded it. And, because he's such a great guy and never wants to miss out, Bruno, like you, can subscribe to our podcast and rate and review. Now, it's not just me that you get the chance to hear on a weekly basis. There's also the DC Comics News podcast team covering news and events in the movie, television, streaming, comic book, and even the other categories of all things related to DC Comics. You can also keep up on the news series from DC Comics News podcast team co-host Steve J. Ray hosting his I Am The Night a episode-by-episode breakdown of the legendary Batman the Animated Series. Don't want to miss out on any of these episodes? Head over to your favorite platform, subscribe, and then rate and review. I think we're five stars. I think you do too, but if you disagree, you can always let me know, either with your score or by finding us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and even YouTube. All you have to do is use that at symbol and DC Comics News to tag us, not only with your comment, but also about anything else you think we should know. Again, that's the at symbol, you know, that A with the circle around it, and capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N, E-W-S. Tag us with your thoughts, your comments, your questions. I guarantee we will reply and if you have spinner rack scores you want to share, well, that's one of the best ways to let me know. That's going to bring us to a close. If you haven't yet, when this one's over, please subscribe so you never miss an episode. And I always know that you'll be right back here with me each and every week on the spinner rack. In the meantime, as always, read more comics.